Welcome back, Crush A Lot Podcast. I'm your boy Cheese. Shout out to Kalina, sending this one out. The schedule's been pretty busy, so it's hard to get us all coordinated these days. Uh, Thank you to everybody who's been checking out the show. We appreciate the support and love. Uh, We have a giveaway coming out soon, so stay tuned to our social media for all that. But let's get right into it. I'm always excited to bring to you... Um, maybe it's new, maybe you know who they are, maybe you don't. But for me, when I stumble upon new and interesting sounds, new and interesting artists, I always want to feature them, um, just to get them out there. And anyone who knows the show, me and Kalina and Sir Love Day, we love, we love our beats, man. And we probably prefer them more than the MCs. And when I stumbled upon this, I'm like, I got to have them on. So saying that with the intro. Uh, spectacular diagnostic is here good sir how are you i'm good i'm good thanks for having me it's so good to have you on the show i've been rocking your 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 latest effort raw visions out now the beat tape an interesting collection of of beats hip-hop beats um how did that project come to be it's not your first project but it's your latest one and i just find it very engrossing as a listener what was the idea around this project you know uh, i've been meaning to just continue to do some instrumental stuff because you know i've been doing all the mc stuff mostly under spectacular diagnostics and then i just um i had time off from work around the holidays and I just started working on some stuff and I reached out to a contact I had at the German label, uh, Vin Dig. I was like, would you be interested in putting it out? Yep. You know, I didn't have to do it myself. So that was nice. We just kind of quickly knocked it out, you know? That, that's what's up. How was it? Was these a collection of beats that were kind of like laying around that you put together or you put them together for this effort? Yeah, I put them together like in a week and a half, you know, or maybe two weeks. You know, I just I made them all. Yeah, like they're new. You know, I made I made them in December. So that's kind of what's nice about you know doing the digital releases. You know, it's instant gratification. You you make something, you like it, and you put it out right away. Yeah, yeah. That I think mean, even for this small podcast, there's a background noise. If you hear background noises, because we work. We got things, yep. <laughs> uh, so that's how it is. Um, even with the podcast, like where, where I, I don't know how to really measure how big or small we are compared to other ones, but I know that because of the internet and because of this, I'm able to talk to people like you, people like uh, Farah, who's from Kuwait, the only female DJ in Kuwait. Like it's an interesting how you could connect to different people. Um, in terms of your beat processing, what how did you get started in this? What made you say, hey, I want to create beats and what what were some of the early uh, tools that you were using or programs? Oh, man. Like, I started making beats in, like, 1999, 2000. Um, and when I first started, I was recording as, uh, I don't even just like my name or something else and then I and then I produced under uh Earmint uh in the early 2000s and I was using this pretty 
old, even for the time, piece of software called Studio Vision Pro. So, like anything I released as Earmint that was in the 2000s, like from like 2002 to 2006, that was all done on this ancient Mac software. So, you know, I go back and listen to it, and it it sounds like really, really gritty because. The software had its limitations. It was almost like you were using a, a piece of hardware, but it was the computer, you know. So, yeah, it seems like with production, the producers started a while ago. Always have to upgrade as the technology upgraded. But this also wasn't like a blueprint on really how to make these things. People kind of have their own ways of doing it and kind of duct taping beats together, and that's kind of like what they. Know and and how they learn. So it's, sometimes it's hard going to a new technology. Um, how much yeah. of that was an issue for you, or, or have you gracefully graded into the new technology world of production? No, no, man, it was huge. I mean, it was like I had that old computer that ran till about two thousand and six, and after I released uh, the Earmint like solo record, which is called Another Early Evening, in like two thousand six. I was just kind of burned out, and I just was concentrating on work. And I got a new computer, and I got Logic on it, and I didn't know how to use Logic at all. And it was like you know, for years, I just I didn't put anything out, and I was like, you know, I, I kind of thought I was done with uh, putting out you know beat music. And then I just I started to get a bit more comfortable with Logic Audio. It's still what I'm using, and I. Start playing around with it, and then in like 2015 was when I I was like, screw it, I'm gonna release something new. And the name Spectacular Diagnostics just came about because, to me, you know, like I'm a big Ghostface fan, and it, it sounded like something Ghostface would say, like Spectacular sure. Diagnostics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, absolutely, like, all right, yeah. Uh, interesting. You have the beat tape. Raw Visions out now. Raw Studies is the project I believe right behind this one. So yeah, what, yeah. So is the Raw like a series, or it just happens to be connecting them in some way? Or I'm just looking way into it because I'm a nerd that way. No, no, no. I just I always put like Raw in the title. Like I had the the first Spectacular Diagnostics EP that I put out and. 2015 was called Raw Exotic, and then like that, like led into an album called Raw Game, and then there was Avant Raw, <laughs> and then you know, then I came out with the Spec Tape, which was kind of like a greatest hits of Raw Game and Avant Raw, and those were like some of the first physical releases I started doing. Um, were You know, I had these tracks sitting around. I had like, you know, on Raw Game, I had the, the joint with Westside Gun and Conway and Quelle Chris and these, you know, these cool artists. And then once I finally shopped it, people were like, "Damn, why, why don't we put out physicals? Like, why don't you have physicals of this?" I'm like, I don't know. I just didn't. You know, like I, didn't, <laughs> I just didn't do it. That's. What, it's interesting you say Raw. That's how I end, ended up with so many kids. Yeah, um, yeah. That's yeah. I was trained by Wu Tang very well. Yeah. Also, lambskin condom don't work. I learned that the hard way. Um, that's my uh, PSA for all you people out there. Don't, don't, don't. 
onto the lambskin. Doesn't work. Um, <laughs> uh, I could get a little wild like that. Uh, saying that, uh, for raw studies, you pretty much have like the who's who of the underground scene. Like Al Davino, Estinac, Chris Crack, Rome Streets. Ice Lord is up and coming. He's though he's been there for a while. Echo John is a beast as well. Dapzini, another one. Flashes, flashes. Uh, Clayton, wow, you have a lot. Smooth, that's my boy. Smooth and Sleep Sinatra, yeah. someone who needs a little more love. Um, that must have been an expensive bill. How, nah. how did that work out? How did you put that together? How do you reach out to people? That that you know this one was was next to nothing. I mean, just because it was like. They knew me from Raw Game. They knew me from the spec tape. And I kind of reached out to them like, I'm making a new record. It's coming out on Loretta. You know, like, would you be interested in working on it? And, you know, there was definitely some people that needed to get paid. And then some people just wanted to do it, you know, and I I won't go into that because it's like their business. <laughs> But, you know. It's like there's not, you know, I think when people realize with these records, even if you're putting out a few, unless you're a bigger artist, like no one's really making big money off of this stuff. So it's like you're doing it because you want to do it. Um, so this one, yeah, it was like it, it was a very affordable release to put out versus like the early stuff where the kind of I looked at it like I'm going to put this album, the first album I did out like. I'm my own record label. I'm an adult now. I don't need the label to pay for features. I could pay for it if I need to. And that's cool and all, but man, that, that gets crazy expensive. And, uh, and you don't, and you don't recoup for a long time, you know? So yeah, you almost have to just put it out. because you just want to put it out. That's, that's exactly why I did it. You know, it's like, that's, well, was, that's kind of like a, like I'm a creative, like, My my partner would be like, you work your full-time job and then you have this other full-time job in podcasting. People make it sound like it's, all I do is talk. Like, I edit, I edit, I post, and uh, and then I promote. And I'm up to like two in the morning, three in the morning, trying to get one episode out so I can make everybody sound good. Uh, it takes a lot of work. Um, no, I feel you. And, I, and I'm a workaholic. Like, even to date, I have three interviews back to back and I'm like, uh, and then you have to edit all of that. Um, saying that, and that's without a budget. Um, if anything, I'm yeah. paying, I'm paying, I'm paying to get it out. It's there a lab, it's a labor of love, man. Yeah, man. And, and I think that's where hip hop is. It's best, right? It's, it's as soon as we start eliminating money out of the equation and we get back to the hustle of hip hop, the way it started, There's something that's very organic about it. And that's kind of like what I get from your music. It's just, I get this organic sense of how things are being created. How much of this is, is when you're going through your process of, of making the beat, how much of that is listening to records and finding things to create with? It's pretty much everything because I, you know, it, 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 With some things, I'd used a bit of, you know, keyboard, but I pretty much work, you know, strictly analog going into the computer. I have a turntable going straight in, and the turntable is the source of, you know, all the audio, you know, like, 
I, I don't like if people don't sample from vinyl. I don't. I'm, I'm not like a snob about it. It's like I get it. You know, some people, you know, even the economics of it, they can't do it. But I sample everything from vinyl, and I dig. You know, so and that's like how I've been doing it for years. So it's just habit. You know. Yeah, and everybody has a different, a different way. Like um, Michelangelo out from Boston, another great producer. He's like, nah, I just. I just rip straight from YouTube because I don't, I don't have, I don't have the time to do all that digging and yeah. stuff. But some people really enjoy that process of finding things and making it work. So yeah, I mean, I've been doing it forever, so it's like the records they pile up. You know, I got a lot of records. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have records too, and I just enjoy, like my part of enjoying vinyl collecting is like I put a price in my head of how much I want to pay for that thing. And then I, yeah. and then when I get it at that price, I'm like, yes, I did. Yeah. Um, and I and take joy in that. Um, going back to the production side, um, everyone who listens to the show know that I am intrigued and marveled by the genius that was the, the RZA. Cause I found RZA to find milliseconds of things and turn them into these epic landscapes that obviously is the Wu-Tang sound that has still, you know, been copied, reused, and over and over through the entire landscape of hip-hop. Yeah, but yeah. What, what are some of the early producers that really influenced you or make you go like, damn, how did he do that? I mean, Riz, Riz is definitely up there. I mean, I mean to, to age myself, you know, I graduated high school in 95. So I graduated when like all of that was like hitting its peak, you know, like with nineties hip hop and, and RZA and like those, those first five Wu-Tang releases, if we're talking solo stuff, you know, around, you know, 36 chambers, like his production to me was just always pretty mind blowing. You know, like I, I, I just thought like, this is, I had never heard anything like that. You know, it, it was, you know, so Wu-Tang early on was definitely huge. And then outside of that, you know, I, I really liked, you know, Souls of Mischief and Dell and all the, you know, a lot of the early Cali stuff. So I kind of listened to California, listened to, you know, Wu-Tang in New York and, you know, Gangstar was always there and I always liked and appreciated that, but it was really like Wu-Tang I was pretty obsessed with, you know, at the time, you know. Yeah, oh no, I'm a Wu-Tang fanatic down to like Wu-Tang and all the other, um, you know, all the Wu element stuff. Like, I know what yeah. Persian Legacy means. I know what that means. I know, I know like the yeah, original yeah. Sons of Man's albums, not what the, was necessarily released first. Um, right. So it's all the things. But let's, let's go into that. Let's go into that, that Wu universe for a second. Um, seems like that's like the foundation of where this love comes from. Let's go by album by album. Let's go. We'll say, we'll start with 36. What's the track that stands out to you the most? And then we'll go up to probably the last one. I think was Ghostface from that run. So 36 chambers. What was the song that really popped out to you from, from that album? Chess boxing. Easy. Just cause just because the drums, you know, it was yeah. like just like that clicky drum. And and that's kind of like when I make drums, 
I don't think of drums as being, oh, the snare sounds like this and the kick sounds like this. It sounds like whatever fits the track, you know, and that's that's yeah. what I really loved about that RZA's production in that way, you know, it was just like, it was just crazy. And you have that that one, the one and only verse from Master Killer is, is on that one. Is probably the best verse on the album as well. Um, I go Tears. I don't know why Tears is always the one that I... Tears is, I mean, that sample amazing. is crazy. The sample, and the it, way he flipped it, everything. Yeah, when they, I saw, you know, when they were using that with like, um, that, you know, that 90s movie that they came out with, and that yeah. was in the soundtrack, and immediately like, oh yeah, I gotta see this movie. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's a Wendy Renee... A sample, and there's one of the songs where you learn that RZA knows how to pull, pull you into the emotion of what the MCs were doing, which is part of his charm. Yeah. Then we have Method Man's "The Cow." That's an interesting album because it's it's a little departure from what the sound was originally from Thirty Six Chambers. There's a lot of hidden nuggets in that album too for being a short album. What was the song that that stuck out there for you? It might have been to Cal. It might have just been to Cal. I mean, like, just like, you know, the intro and how it comes in and just like the slow and, you know, that was definitely one I had right away, you know, and I, I ah, terrible song titles. I love the one that, you know, is that triumphant Rocky-esque horn, you know, uh, um, what's that rhythm? What's that sound? Uh, release your Delph. Yeah. Release your Delph. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big um, Sandman. Mr. Sandman's Sandman, great. I, that beat was like, if I didn't know any better, it's a grave digger beat. If I didn't yeah. know any better, and I love that. That, you know, that yeah. was a Resurrector sound at that point, and I was I'm a big Resurrector fan, so that's the vibe I got. So for me, it's, it would, Mr. Sandman is the one I always go back to. Um, and that album, I think, is I'm going to have a hot take. It may have not aged as well as the other ones. Um, it's not as mentioned yeah. as the other one, but I think it's still a classic in my eyes. But Method Man is such a different lyricist since that album dropped. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they were always trying to portray him as like, oh, he's the most charismatic of the Wu-Tang. And he kind of was, you know, early on. Like, he was the look, you know, of them and everything. And it was still, it's a great album. I mean, I think it's, oh, yeah, you know, cl sure. classic, you know. I'm trying to hunt, that, hunt it down on vinyl. I haven't got it. You got it yet. Uh, then we got <laughs> the most entertaining of the bunch, the return of the 36. Yeah. Uh, the dirty I'd version. I'd, I'd probably go Brooklyn Zoo. You know, just just once once he's kind of lining up the verses and getting real rowdy with it. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, certainly, like, you know, the singles were always good, but Upset. I think it was the re was it the re the remix of Brooklyn Zoo that's got that nasty synth line on it? Uh, could be, it could be. Yeah, I that that the dirty version of Thirty Six Chambers Return to Dirty had so many like EPs attached to it from other countries. Yep. That's interesting. Like, don't you know Part Two? Shimmy Shimmy Y'all with the reversed with the lyrics that aren't reversed as well. I find those little things charming about the album, but I always go back to Snakes. I love snakes. Yeah. It's such a menacing beat and just the yelling uncontrollably for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> As a dragon is, is, is I mean, that's what does it with those, that, that first grouping of the solo 
Rizzo project is that you could tell that, you know, Rizzo was just, he picked every beat so well, you know, and I think it's a, it's a weird grouping those, those albums in that the Ghostface, Iron Man's an awesome album, but it's where Rizzo started kind of like experimenting with sounds and I didn't like the beats as much. Especially towards the second the, half of that album. It yeah. Really, it really pushed. Whereas then, like, you know, Supreme Clientele, you know, like, you know, that that one, I think most people would, you know, argue is a better record, which is like... Yeah. Uh, per- then Purple Tape. Purple Man, Tape is crazy. Yeah, I think it's a whole album for me. For me, I think I, between that and Liquid Swords is my greatest hip-hop records of all time. But yeah, I, no. It's kind of hard not to. I'm, I'm a Glacier of Ice guy. Like, that, yeah, yeah. that beat shouldn't work. There's nothing about that, those sounds that should work. But when you put them together, um, it's just it's just a new listening experience. And to think that was a street yeah. single. But yeah, Glaciers of Ice, like the singing, the, you know, the, the kind of backward sounding sample. It's like, yeah, that, that, that was definitely one of those tracks where like this is crazy this is just <laughs> experimentation you know at that level yeah and it but it, it, it shouldn't work and then you go right into verbal intercourse which was yeah absurd in its own right then we got liquid swords duel of the iron mics i also like yeah. gold at the end it's a dope track um what do you have i think i got a duel of the like the album starts off so strong you know and it's like the minute like the you know the the samples kick in all the the audio samples of oh god what movie is that Shogun Assassin I know Shogun Assassin that they're watching in uh, Kill Bill as well you know yep. which is when they that part showed up in Kill Bill I recited the entire line but not because I really saw the movie You're, like that to know but because of Wu-Tang right right I felt like a G when I saw that movie. I go, I know where that reference was. He's like, I know where that is. Yeah, but I actually don't think he referenced it because of Shogun Assassin. I actually think uh, Quentin Tarantino did it because of Wu Tang. Yeah, I think I think I think he definitely, you know, was probably you know into kung fu flicks because he's a nerd like that. But I think Wu Tang is what sealed that usage, especially with RZA doing the the soundtracks for Kill Bill. Yeah, and I think for me, the Ghostface track on Iron Man, just to wrap that part up, man, I like Assassination Day. Surprisingly, Assassination Day, the, the, the bass line is so, so good on that. You that know? song is so good that they didn't even need Ghostface on his own album. He's not even on the song. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not even on the song, and it's his album. Um, I think that I think Daytona is probably my favorite on that one, just because it's, you know, it, it flips it up with that fast beat. Yeah. You know, and that that always, you know, was with the fresh right. MDs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, man, we could, we could just talk about hip hop all day. This is why I love the podcast. If you're new to the podcast, um, thank you for checking it out. Do us a favor, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Leave a comment if we're doing good or not doing good. We we're not we don't take things personally. We want to get better. Also, <laughs> hit the links below. Go check out. Um, my man right here from Chicago, um, Spectacular Diagnostic. Um, the links are below. Um, I have a question before we wrap it up here, though. Since I've been put on a little late, apologies for that. Um, two questions. One is, 
no more vinyls are available, right? I see that it's all sold out. If you have a vinyl laying around somewhere, my PayPal is open to get that, that raw, the, the raw studies. Vinyl will be available. Oh, okay. um, because I'm going to have basically whatever the the way that I worked up to deal with Loretta, I basically got paid in vinyl. I will have copies. I'm going to have 30 copies, special OB strips that I've ordered a different color than the other OB strip. They will be available. All right, so I'm a I'm a stay tuned. I'm sure you're gonna put it on. <laughs> go go follow us, a spectacular diagnostic right now on the social media and just keep your eyes out for that. Uh, and that's you know that has Aldovino, I see Nacko, those cats in there. Um, and saying that, wrap it up. I ask everybody in the show if you could pick one song from the pantheon, one beat, one hip hop beat from the pantheon of hip hop beats that best describes your love making talent. Talents, your mattress mambo, your body friction. Um, your, <laughs> what would be that song that, like, yeah, that's my song. Now we're recording this on a Wednesday, so you may Wednesday might produce a different chemical than what a Friday night after a few drinks might produce. Um, but which beat best describes it? Oh man, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna look. I'm you know I'm gonna make people look it up. I'm there's a there's an artist. Um, Lewis Parker is a UK rapper and he's got a beat, uh, a thousand fragments, you know, some soft, softness, soft, laid back, gentle, thinking just, about, yeah, you. he's got that and he's, you know, and then there's also like a, or it might be the piano track at the end where it's got this like really dope sample, like says like, like the moon. It's like beneath the shadow, I have put out the lights, you know, and over this ill, eerie piano, you know, I don't know. That's that just came to my mind. Just like your production style. Yeah. Right, shout you out. Thank you so much for being on the show. Crush a lot podcast, like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Go hit the links below and support the artists. Buy the physicals. Subscribe to all the social media and all that good stuff. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Crush a lot podcast. Peace. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Peace.